0: and gets around oh, and yeah. It down. yeah Sabonis down the lane with
2: authority.
0: Williams down the lane. Met
2: there by oh my goodness. And Jay Warren on the move. This guy's a bucket, folks.
0: T.J. Warren is a bucket for the Pacers. Oladipo the rebound. Nine seconds, eight seconds, seven seconds. Oladipo
1: to win. Another one! Another one! Another one! What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. Here on PacersTalk.net, I'm your host, Alex Golden. And joining me as he does every week is the one and only Kent Sterling. Kent, what a game last night.
2: Hey, terrific. I'm starting to get excited about the postseason now. This looks like a team that might not be, you know, one series and out.
1: Well, four games, or five games in, excuse me, and we have seen incredible play from not just T.J. Warren but this entire Pacers team. But I want to talk a lot about T.J. Warren here in the opening. I mean, we could do this every podcast, basically, because he's just been unbelievable. But I think it's just 39 points against the Lakers Holding Anthony Davis defensively to eight points, I mean, last night's the perfect example of what T.J. Warren can be.
2: Yeah, it, it, you know, and it, it's, um, I guess, surprising, but it's all of a sudden it's routine, right? You know, oh, I know. Like thir- 39 points for T.J.'s right on his bubble average, and so you think, well, sure, he's going to take 22 shots, he's going to make 39 points, and, and that's the way he plays. But he's doing things that we don't see a guy like t.j warren do very often and and that is that's elevating this team's production and efficiency to a level where like they beat the lakers a lot of people think the lakers are going to win the nba nba finals this was a healthy Lakers team lebron james played well but the pacers just played better
1: yeah well there's no way there's no other way to put it i mean It was um, Quinn Cook was the second leading scorer for the Lakers. Outside of LeBron, though, they didn't really get a lot of help. And Anthony Davis is supposed to be his number two guy, and he's been really good for the majority of the season. But last night, Ken, I don't even know where Anthony Davis was half the time. Uh, eight points, eight rebounds, three of 14. Like, he didn't even shoot the ball a lot. He was tied for the sec- for second in most attempts, but Kuzma and Qu- uh, Quinn Cook had the same amount of attempts. So I don't know what was going on with him. Only had one foul, so it's not like he was in foul trouble. Just a really bad game from him.
2: Strange game from him, and, and I, I thought that the Pacers really did a good job by, you know, taking away Davis as sort of a defensive menace by scoring from the perimeter and attacking with guards. I, I, I was worried about that matchup a little bit, but as it turned out, it really worked out in the Pacers' favor, and, and instead of fearing uh, a, a really athletic and versatile big like Anthony Davis – Maybe you start to relish those opportunities because somehow, some way, without the size of uh, Domas Sabonis, they match up really, really well against a guy like, and it, it helps. Yeah. I mean, when you when you shoot the way the Pacers did, I mean, they hit 52% overall and 46% from beyond the arc and then uh, 92.9% from the line. When you shoot like that, you're going to win a lot of basketball games. Uh, but they were—they're just really good, you know. Mm-hmm. There's like it's not flukish to me anymore. It, it's like they're just a really good basketball team. It'll be interesting. I mean, people kind of getting their feet wet in the bubble, as people figure out maybe how to play down there, and, and they allow their game to evolve toward what works in the bubble. Uh, the, the the Pacers clearly have have figured that out ahead of a lot of teams and are playing really good basketball. Yeah,
1: and I think one of the, one of the beautiful things that we saw last night was when TJ Warren was going off. We talked about it last week against Philadelphia, but I don't think Victor played that well, uh, in that, in that, in that opener against Philadelphia. But in last night's game, Victor looked a lot better. Probably the best he's looked in the bubble. And I think he's starting to get a little more comfortable with what he can and cannot do on the court. And when you got a guy like Warren who was just lights out, only missed seven of the 22 shots that he took, you, you give him the ball. And Vic said that, you know, if I trust him, then they got to worry about him. Now that makes this even more dangerous because, I mean, Brogdon was so efficient last night too. 8 of 13, they combined for 85 points last night, Kent. So when those three guys right there can combine for 85 points – you're going to be in trouble, and, and that's what we worried about last year and the and the previous year with the Pacers' roster makeup. Outside of Victor, you didn't know where you are going to get that scoring from. Bojan was a bit of a surprise. He was a pretty good scorer, but I don't think that Bojan has the scoring uh, you know, tools like a Warren or let yeah. alone a Brogdon. I mean, Brogdon has looked really impressive, and when those three guys are on it like that, this team's going to be tough because I don't think there's a lot of
2: teams that can match up and guard one through three like that. You know, and, and it really is a collective for the Pacers. They they You see teams like L.A. with LeBron and, and Davis, and you see the Heat with Jimmy Butler. And, and The Celtics are a little bit similar to the Pacers in that they've got a collective that's greater than the sum of the parts. Um, but this Pacers team, this is, and, and this, I know I'm jumping ahead, but this is a big decision for Kevin Pritchard. In, in a lot of ways, he's got to figure out like there's no way you are justified paying Victor Oladipo max money. Yeah. like That, that just doesn't even make sense at this point. They got five guys who all deserve to make 18 to 22 million dollars. And and the way the Pacers don't spend above that luxury, luxury tax threshold, you got a decision to make with Vic. You know, is he a necessary component to a championship-type team? Uh, that's That's a hell of a question because what they've got are a lot of guys who play really well and who function well with each other now.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be tough. I think you have to pay him, Kim, but I mean we we can talk about this in a couple weeks when the playoffs are over yeah. for the Pacers because that's when the question marks are really going to start coming up because we need to see what this Pacers team does come playoff time, come a series, how how they're coached, what ways they can, you know, adjust because I think, you know, TJ Warren's going off right now, but I've I've said this uh, a couple times that I've talked to different people. You're not seeing a lot of teams double team and try to get the ball out of his hand. It's a lot of one-on-one, and if T.J. Warren's going to be hot like that, I think you're going to start seeing guys and, and other teams double-team him, force a ball out of his hands. Now, last night, like we saw, Oladipo and Brogdon, if they're shooting as well as they did, uh, 17 of 30 to combined, you know, then you're going to have your hands full. But you know, it's it's going to be one of those things where they're going to have to play off each other. They're all going to have to play well. And ultimately, you know, I know this small ball lineup's working, but when the game slows down, and when it comes to trying to create and get an open basket, if they're not able to get to the basket, I don't know who you're expecting to really give them some great separation on a pick and roll, pick and pop type thing. Because I don't think Turner is solid enough as far as screen as being a screen setter, as getting guys, you know, that room they need to to create shots for them when the game slows down in the playoff series.
2: You know, and and that's a good point. It'll be be really, really interesting to see what happens when you play against a team that's playing for something substantial. Um, Other than Phoenix and Philadelphia, really this has been, you know, you've seen the Pacers play teams that are, are basically going nowhere. Right. Uh, Phoenix played really, really well. Uh, L.A. had nothing to play for last night. And so that might have been a part of the defensive malaise or a reason for the defensive malaise that we saw out of the Lakers last night. I mean, you can you can say, boy, the Pacers were great hitting, you know, 52 percent and 46 percent. But you know what? A lot of times that has to do with defense as much as it does your offensive abilities. Um, T.J. Warren, though, is an interesting guy in that he doesn't need to get to the bucket to be really, really good. That's true. You know, he can pull up from 12 feet and hit teardrops. And you, you've got a guy like Aaron Holiday who's very, very clever with his hands and, and can hit six to ten footers as easily as he, as he can hit uh, at the rims. So the, I think it's a weird team to have to prepare for. And if they do double-team Warren, you've got a bunch of guys who can put the ball in the jar. Mm-hmm. You know, so and and that's why they don't double him. But you know, you've got to do something with a guy who's going to average one point seven points per shot, and and fill it to the tune of thirty nine points. You you just can't sit on your hands and say, well, if T J Warren beats us, you know that's just the way it goes. Because T J Warren, the way he's playing right now, is going to beat you.
1: Oh yeah, I mean he is he is I think. If not the MVP of the bubble, he is top three. But there's sure. no doubt about it. He's He's been one of the most incredible performers in the Orlando bubble. And, I mean, you brought up Aaron Holliday someone. If you look at his stat line last night, it is probably one of the most perfect Aaron Holliday stat lines I've seen. Three of yep. three from the field, so he only takes three shots, hits them all for seven points, seven assists, six rebounds, three steals, a block, only had two turnovers and was a plus 21. I mean, this is the perfect type of player you want with that starting five. Even though he might be a little bit undersized, Kent, and I know that he's playing some wing right now and not playing point guard technically, I just think he's a little bit quicker, so it allows Brogdon to guard bigger players where you can put Holiday on a smaller guy. And it also, you know, with him not having to force so much offensively, I think that that's a better gig for him than if you tried to make him, right now in his career at least, the only source of offense off the bench because then he could be trying to press a little bit too much, forcing too many bad shots and get a little bit out of rhythm. But when you're playing with these veterans and these guys that are going off the way they are, this is just a great opportunity for him to continue to grow and someone I think the Pacers could really use for the long term.
2: You know, and I think it's been really good for him. The the bubble has been wonderful in a number of ways for the Pacers. And this is me extrapolating facts, not necessarily in evidence. Uh, but these guys are around each other, right? There's not the agent and the parents and the brothers, and the, except for Holiday, <laughs> and and you know the hangers-on who are are feeding you a, a bunch uh, of nonsense about contracts and how important this is and the individual stuff, and and so this is just. This is a perfect place for these guys to figure out who they are when they're alone and when they're just with teammates and the coaches. And I think that for the Pacers, this has been really good. And I think for Aaron Holiday, it's been terrific. Mm-hmm. Through almost two years with Aaron Holiday, I've looked at Jalen Brunson and because I loved Brunson in the draft and thought he was way undervalued. I think you and, love
1: Brunson more than Goga.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Jalen Brunson's just a... Great kid, and and I really wish the Pacers had taken him. But right now, I wouldn't trade him straight up. I wouldn't trade Aaron Holiday straight up for Jalen Brunson in a million years. I think that Holiday is looking like a guy who can be a component to a winning team. And I didn't know if that was going to happen. I I think that this is the bubble has been perfect for the growth of his game.
1: Yeah, well, when it comes to young guys, I think the biggest thing, Kent, especially for coaches and fans, is just patience. And playing time, you know, because we we saw Goga the first game against Phoenix. He looked bad. There's no doubt about it. He did not look good. Yes, he knocked down a three. It was good to see that, but he didn't play well. Yesterday, I thought he looked pretty good. Twelve minutes, three or four from the field, one more three-pointer. You know, didn't really make too big of a difference until the fourth quarter. I thought he got a little bit out-schooled there by the veteran Dwight Howard. And, you know, Dwight was kind of just giving it to him, and Goga got a tech. Uh, Dwight started clapping after a foul call. Goga didn't like it, which I love that about Goga, by the way. Yeah. Um, cause you can kind of tell he's got a bit of a temper and, uh, he doesn't like, uh, when he's getting bullied, but I think this is going to be such a, a silly point probably, but it's so minimal. I just wanted to bring it up. I don't know if you noticed, but it was like, Goga was so concerned about trying to help on the drive with LeBron that he kept leaving Dwight Howard open. And that's yeah. what was causing a bunch of offensive uh, rebounds for them. And that possession went on for like five minutes. They end up bringing Turner back in. And one thing I noticed about Turner, he's still looking to go help side, but he doesn't leave until at the last second, where Gogo was leaving probably a second or two before. I like I know it's like super minimal and not that probably big of a difference, but I, I just was so surprised at the difference of, you know, that's a veteran rim protector and Turner compared to a rookie, and Goga is still trying to figure things out because I don't really think once Miles came back in, Dwight didn't just go all over the offensive glass like he had been.
2: Well, and what you see with Goga, especially against a guy like uh, Dwight, is that he's going to get manhandled. Yeah, you know, Goga's twenty; he's got to put on some weight. He's probably twenty pounds lighter than he's going to wind up being as a, an NV, NBA veteran, and and that you see him exposed again and again and again to guys who are, you know, bigger and stronger. And that's almost everybody in the NBA. But yeah. when he adds that bulk, you're, and just as Miles has, Miles has gotten bigger. And as he's gotten bigger, he, had, he he's much more difficult to move around. And what you mentioned absolutely true is that he's a little bit too eager defensively, and that costs him. But it, as he gets bigger and, and as he learns – I think that we're going to really well, you know, what I think about Goga and I do love I like that he's gritty and I like that he's a little bit chippy. Uh, You know, he grew up in the middle of a war and and for a year and a half, he was homeless. Yeah. I mean, this guy is not going to take crap from anybody. He's lived a life to the age of 20 that, you know, we can't even imagine. And so you you get the benefit of that. And he's a terrific teammate. Yeah, You know, you see him genuinely really enthused for for his teammates, and I think that's a cool deal. I'd say the same thing about Samson is he, he's really, you know, as there's no crowd there to kind of infuse a building with enthusiasm. you got to get something from your bench, and I think the Pacers' bench has been terrific in the way they've supported each other.
1: Yeah, I think their support has been really good, but their production during this bubble has been pretty bad. Um, TJ McConnell's been oh, the only yeah. real bright yeah. spot off the bench. He had zero points last night, but you know, four steals, <laughs> four uh, four assists, and five rebounds. That's the kind of stuff you need from TJ McConnell. You talk about a Jakar Sampson. He's a guy that's an energy guy. Had two, you know, just ferocious tip back slams, yeah, back to back plays. You never see that happen. And then our veterans, Justin Holiday, Doug McDermott, they go one, uh, two of eight from beyond the arc. Uh, Justin had two air balls that he overshot in the corner on back-to-back possessions. It's just those two guys, McDermott and Holiday, you see why they miss Sabona so much. I know a lot of people have been talking about this, so I don't want to keep hitting that same point over and over again, but it's just so true. They miss that facilitator out there on the court, someone that can really run the offense that benefits them. But you mentioned it. When you're playing in this environment, having energy guys like McConnell and Samson off the bench – or what's going to keep your team afloat. And I thought McMillan did a much better job with the rotations on uh, with the bench in the second unit um, against the Lakers than when uh, compared to this Phoenix Suns game.
2: Well, and it's been nice, uh, I guess, that the minutes restriction for Vic has gone because he played 35 minutes last night. That's a good point. Um, you know, so, it, and, and you're right about the bench. Some nights the bench, like McDermott, is going to be kind of like... Remember DJ Augustine with the Pacers when they beat the Knicks that one game, and that was that was Augustine's game. Right, yeah, game without one. him, the Pacers don't win. Doug McDermott is going to be that kind of guy for the Pacers in the playoffs at some point, where he's going to lift them to one win. And and if you've got a if you got a bench guy who can do that kind of thing and give you the w- one win to add to three, you know that the starters get you. You've got a real chance to win series against what people might think is a superior team.
1: Yeah. That's a that's a good point. I mean, I think Justin Holliday could possibly be that type of player as well. Yep. If he gets hot, because defensively he's probably a little bit better than Doug, and they might actually go to him a little bit more depending on the matchups. You know, I'm pretty sure it's gonna be the Pacers and the Heat in that first round series. We're gonna see a brief preview of it uh two of the next three games um are you know sandwiched they're sandwiching that rockets game but we got the uh the heat the rockets and the heat again so three games that i think are going to be really tough for the pacers but they're going to be fun to watch looks like jimmy butler who has missed the last couple of games will be available for this game and this is the only the only reason i'm a little bit concerned about tj warren going up against miami and jimmy butler Is We saw how he performed against Phoenix, and I didn't talk to you too much about it, but um, if you look at that Phoenix game, it almost looked like Warren was trying to press a little bit. He wasn't taking the shots that he had been because it was a personal thing. He wanted to go out there and prove, hey, Phoenix, you shouldn't have traded me, made it a little bit more personal, probably a little bit more of an emotional approach to the game than the normal, hey, I'm just going out here to play, I'm TJ Warren. This Miami series, this Miami game uh, coming up tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, uh, I think this could be a similar situation where he gets himself a little bit psyched up knowing he's going up against Jimmy Butler, the guy that said he's not even in his league, and disrespected him from top to bottom in his post-game interview. So I'm just hoping that we see the same Warren that we saw the last four of the last five games, excluding the Phoenix game, and not not the guy we see uh, saw against Phoenix, who although he had 16 points, it, it was not an efficient 16 points.
2: You know, and in, in that to me is the thing that T.J. Warren's got to prove as a guy who's averaging 39 points in the bubble. He's got to prove that in big moments he's going to elevate himself, mm-hmm. you know, because that's what's got to happen in the playoffs. Every moment is big in the playoffs. Every game is big. You don't get to just, you know, kind of go roll the ball out and shoot nice, loose and easy and and think, you know, well, it's just basketball. That's not what playoff basketball is. He's going to have to elevate his game in the playoffs in the way that he's elevated his game during this bubble period. And I think the Heat games will show give us a little bit of a snapshot whether that's kind of in T.J. Uh, Warren's arsenal. I, I think that that's going to be one of the interesting parts of this. You know, you look at the greats in the game. They were always at their best in big moments tj warren so far has been at his best when kind of the spotlight wasn't on can he lift his game when it is
1: yeah that's that's the million dollar question right (laughs) because right we we want to see him continue to grow and i mean like i said he's been a top three player in the bubble but i was i was telling dan dockage the other day when i was talking to him I really think that if TJ Warren continues to play at this type of level, you know, about 25-30 points a game and continues to be this solid on defense, you're talking about a top 30 player in the NBA. Kent. Yep. And you know, this is why when you when you look at teams that are poorly run franchises, I know Phoenix is doing much better this year than they had been in the previous years, but when, when you go out and give up on a guy like TJ Warren, I understand it from their standpoint. He had a lot of injuries. The fit probably wasn't what they were hoping for. But Indiana took a risk, went out there, got T.J. Warren for free, and they've turned his whole entire career around. And so there's plenty of guys like that around the NBA. And that's why I think this Pacers team and this organization has done a great job of, like we mentioned last week, creating that culture so you can get guys in here like a T.J. Warren that can really just develop their game. They're going to be held accountable by Coach McMillan, and they're going to have to work and that's that's just the mo of this team they work hard incredibly hard to to make the other teams beat them they don't lay down easy and you know one through ten those guys on the court are going to get everything they got so tj warren is just a great story i I love everything i've seen from him in this bubble i'm just hoping that he can continue to do this
2: well and you know i i think that it's been so interesting to watch how this team this team has behaved in, in the bubble. And mm-hmm. and I mean, we're getting, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves. You know what I mean? They're four and one in the bubble. So everything's roses and everything is praiseworthy, but you know, that's kind of where we are. And, and to watch the way that they've played and to watch the way that, like when Bogdanovich left, I was like, where are you going to replace that guy in all these different facets? Mm-hmm. You know, not just like a, a defense spreader, three-point shooter but also a kind of a a sort of a big who can go in and rebound and he's clever defensively if not really quick-footed there was a lot that Bogdanovich really helped the Pacers do as you know a guy in his position and T.J. Warren's just been better yeah like in who saw that coming Mark but (laughs) yeah I mean yeah Kevin Pritchard saw it coming I guess and not only did you get T.J. Warren uh, with a contract that right now looks like an enormous bar- bargain, but they were fed three second-round draft picks for taking him. I know. You know they gave oh up nothing. Gosh. They got three, uh, three second-rounders, and you got a guy who, like you said, is probably, if he continues to play at this level with this level of offensive efficiencies, at least uh, a top thirty guy. Mm-hmm. And and a guy that you you'd have to say is is likely to be an all star at some point. Oh, yeah. I, I I just I can't figure out what the Suns were doing, what they were thinking. Why why did this guy appear to be somebody that wasn't going to help you win basketball games? I I just don't get it.
1: Well, I think health was a concern, and I also think when you have five coaches in four years, that's a problem as well.
2: Yeah, right. They,
1: it's it's just no stability, and, and that that can really affect a player. I mean, Devin Booker has been unbelievable in this uh, bubble. I mean, he didn't play well against Indiana. It was actually uh, DeAndre Ayton who had his way uh, against the Pacers. But, you know, I, I, I said Mark Monteith there because it's funny because I had him on a podcast before the season started talking about the, the moving on from Bojan, and his first thing was, "Is well, we're not really sure what you know what we're going to get from T.J. Warren, but this guy has the potential to be better all around than than Bojan Bogdanovich was when yeah. you get him at a much cheaper Price uh, contract wise, and I was kind of like surprised that he said that. I was like, "That's that's some really good, you know, soundbite right there." If you're trying to get people excited about Warren, but but to me, I mean, I really think he felt that way. And now you, you see the potential. I mean, Warren Warren was good when he was healthy. Uh, Steve Kerr came on the uh, Bill Simmons podcast and was talking about. T.J. Warren, he said he's just old school. He's just a bucket getter, and he knew that when they were you know, playing Phoenix, yeah, they weren't a great team, but they knew that T.J. Warren was going to give them fits because of his offensive prowess. So now he's got the three-point shot rocking and rolling. I mean, that to me is what has elevated his entire play. Oh, yeah. In, in this bubble is the fact that he's knocking down that three. He's taken so many more attempts than he had all year long, but he's hitting them at a high rate, five of eight. Uh, Last night against the Lakers, I'm not sure what he's done the other nights. I know there's been a couple games where he was bad, but I think it was like 21 of 32 the last time I checked over the last five games from three. So that to me is just something, you know, that's been so different about Warren.
2: Yeah, he uh, with with the exception of that Suns game, he's hitting over 60 percent from beyond the arc in the Suns game. He, he, Like he said, he, he wasn't the T.J. Warren that we've come to expect down in Orlando, 16 points, 20 field goal attempts. He was one of five from beyond the arc. But he, he's uh, – man, if, if he can make buckets like this, he is a throwback guy. Mm-hmm. Then it, it's not – he makes the pacers really, really hard to guard because you've got to guard them all the way out to 25 feet, right? It's not just threes and dunks. You're, you're talking about a guy who is a prodigious mid-range shooter, a guy who can hit floaters, a guy who's clever with both hands, and he makes you work defensively every square inch of that defensive possession. And and then if you do double, you got Oladipo, who, like you said last night, looked much, much better, uh, had a little bit more explosion to him, although there was a play where he, he kind of had to lay it in rather than dunk it two years ago. He would have flushed it, or two and a half years ago, he would have flushed it. Um, so, and and then Brogdon can is a maker of shots. You you've got Miles Turner who who's a good stretch five, and this is just a team that can play. And then Aaron Holiday's a pain in the ass, right, to play against. <laughs> you know, offensively he can do a lot of different things, and then defensively he's got some grit to him. I, I like the tenacity of these guys. Yeah, I like the anger. I like the yeah. guy who gets a little bit pissed off at, at things during a game, and because you've got Mister Stoic in T.J. Warren, who, unless he's playing against Jimmy Butler, you know, looks like he, he's playing in the YMCA, except for the quality. Right? You really don't see a lot of emotion out of him. So you need guys like you know, uh, um, you, you need a guy who's who's going to get chippy, like Aaron or like Goga. And and kind of get angry at guys and just be a pain in the ass to play against. I, I like the construct of this team.
1: Yeah, no, and and it's funny that you bring up TJ Warren and his stoic uh personality because I actually heard and saw some people describing his personality to uh, Kawhi Leonard, A guy that's oh yeah just yeah. goes out there and plays. And that's that's the great thing about TJ Warren. It's like we talked about it a few weeks ago, I think, when we were talking about Oladipo and his future. We, I had mentioned that T.J. Warren's kind of like the perfect pacer uh, to model your game yeah. after just because he's so like uh, or to model your career after because he's just, you know, no nonsense. Basketball is his life. He's always in the gym. And I think this Orlando bubble thing has just been a huge blessing for him in a sense. I mean, I, you've seen how the gyms kind of look dull without all the extra lighting the NBA has provided for him. So it's, it's probably a totally different environment than playing in the actual uh, arena with 18,000 fans in front of you. Whether that's good or bad, I think for Warren, it's probably he doesn't have to worry about the outside noise and can just get out there and just hoop. Like, it's just pick ball. And I'm not saying he's a pick ball player, like a great pick ball player, which I'm sure he is. But I'm just saying, like, that environment for him, he's just a bucket getter. So it's like he doesn't have any other distractions except hoops. And I think that's benefiting him uh, a lot
2: and I think it's benefited the entire team you know you're, you're not thinking about all those things all the off-court stuff that that NBA players think about mm-hmm. you know you're you're not thinking about what you're going to do after the game you're not thinking about what you're going to do before the game you know you're eating well you, you have no access to anything but what's good for you and and so you know this I I think it's a a really interesting sociological experiment, this bubble deal. And I think it's great to see the Pacers really figure out at a high level how to operate within it. Uh, And that's where, like, you can, once we get to the playoffs, things are going to be weird. People are talking about if if it winds up being Portland and the Lakers, they think Portland's going to win. I don't think that that's true. But there are a lot of things that are just going to be different and really, really hard to predict once we get to the playoffs. And I think that the Pacers have a chance to be one of those things. I love them in a four or five matchup against the Heat. And then going up against the Bucks. the Bucs have played just bad basketball in the bubble. You know, I, I don't know what they can't do there. I, you know, the idiots always talk about throwing out the record books. But here, I really think that you do. And I think the Pacers have a hell of an opportunity to make loud noises. Do you really think the Bucks have played that bad? Yeah, Bucks haven't. Bucks haven't played well.
1: Yeah, I think they've been okay. I thought it was impressive what they did to Miami when they came back and just trounced them like seventy-four to thirty something in the second half of that game they played on Thursday night um, after the after the Pacers lost to the Suns. I know they've lost a couple other games. Losing to the Nets was a big loss, as well as losing to the yeah. Mavericks. So I mean. But come playoff rockets, time,
2: they,
1: yeah. I'm, I just come playoff time. I don't know if I. <laughs> maybe they're not as focused. Like kind of like you said, they don't have much to play for since already locked in at that number one seed. But um, I know we've been talking a lot about how we want to play the Heat, and I think it's like it's a fun matchup. Definitely will be good for the rivalry part of it. But with Philadelphia losing Ben Simmons, if the Pacers yeah. can beat the Heat twice, and Philly can find a way to win a couple games here. Would you be in favor of playing Philadelphia in the 4-5 matchup over Miami?
2: Oh, that's interesting. You know what? Here's my deal with Ben Simmons, and this is kind of weird. I don't think that Ben Simmons is a winning basketball player.
1: Interesting. I think that
2: Ben Simmons is a really nice basketball player who has a variety of unique skills, but I don't think that you win big with him. I, I have no like evidence to back this up other than watching the guy play and in watching the, his team kind of fold around him at unique moments so everything's kind of anecdotal uh and in in my experience of watching him I don't watch the Sixers play 82 games a season but I don't think that he doesn't stand out to me as a winning basketball player he can play well when the Sixers lose and he can play poorly when the Sixers win i i don't see him as a bellwether so um, I I hate playing against Embiid. I do you know, too. And if if Embiid is healthy enough to go thirty eight minutes, I, I don't know how you win four out of seven against them. But I think you can do that against the Heat. I, I think you got a really good chance uh, against the Heat. I love the Pacers against the Heat. I cannot wait for that series <laughs> because I just I don't like I like nothing about the Heat. I don't like Pat Riley. Uh, for no special reason, I don't like Spolstra. I don't like Jimmy Butler. You know, Jimmy Butler to me is uh, is Paul George light. Mm-hmm. And from a behavioral standpoint, I how many teams has he played for? Uh, this is his fourth,
1: yeah, right? Fourth team.
2: Yeah, that doesn't happen. If if you're a real guy, you're not playing for four teams during your prime. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm I'm working myself into a lather. Uh, to play the Heat because I can't wait to shove it to them.
1: Yeah, well, we got to just we got to make sure we take care of business against the Heat <laughs> because right? if we lose these next three games, we do have the Rockets and the Heat twice, like I mentioned earlier. So uh, the 76ers play Portland today. Now I think Portland's going to have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder after those Paul George, Pat Bev, Dame Lillard's uh, comments off off the uh, off the air and uh, on Instagram social media, whatever, I forget what post, I think it was Bleacher Report posted something about something Dame said in the post game, and Paul George tried right. to chime in, and if you go back and look at Paul's uh, Instagram, the more Paul talked, the uh, the more it ended up hurting his case. So not a shocker there for a lot of Pacers fans, knowing that Paul just is an idiot. But um, the 76ers got the Trailblazers, the Suns, the Raptors, and the Rockets. So They still have four games. They're only a half game back to uh, be tied with the Pacers record-wise and the Heat, all tied for fourth. <laughs> So, I mean, it's going to be a race. And determining on who you want to play, I mean, if you're the Pacers, maybe you just say, hey, we're just going to try to do our best to win out. We'll play whoever gets us. But if they lose a game against Miami, Philadelphia wins. I mean, they could find themselves in the sixth seed playing Boston. So while it's exciting to be tied for fourth with Miami, uh, they do hold the tiebreaker for now. And it's it's going to be a difficult one because I don't, I don't know um, if we lose one of these games, if we're going to be able to um, – surpass Miami at four so I mean we might we still have no idea who we're gonna play Kent that's a big thing
2: right and it, you know the nice thing is that whether you're the four or five doesn't really matter at all right you know it's it, 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 who cares you're in the same gym they put different you know the, the stands are different I guess or the the video boards you've got your fans I I, I don't know it, it's the same deal um you're playing seven games in the same place with no travel, uh, whether that benefits the Pacers or the Heat or the Sixers, I have no idea. But I think that the Pacers, uh, who's playing better, right? Who's playing better than the Indiana Pacers right now? The 76ers are 3-1 and one in the bubble. The one loss to the Pacers, uh, Pacers have been really good. I, I just love where they're at. And to watch them play like they did yesterday, I think if they played the Lakers 10 games, the Lakers win seven and and that the pacers well, we've already would beat them have twice huh
1: we've already beat them twice this year
2: yeah if they played eight more times i think the lakers would win seven wow <laughs>
1: i don't know i don't know their guard play is so bad
2: it is bad and they're not a good defensive team no and and uh so but you got two of the two of the best five players in the nba that's true on that team. and you don't have a top 10 player in the nba on the pacers and you probably don't have a top fifteen guy or 20, on the paces. really. <laughs> right? So you, pre- but you might have three or four in the top forty, yeah. Somehow or top fifty. Anyway, um, the, this this it, it's kind of too bad that we don't get to go watch these things at Bankers Life Fieldhouse a little bit because I think that this is a team that Indiana fans would really vibe with and would love to watch in person and really kind of get behind. Uh, I don't miss a game. I don't miss a minute. And, and that's unusual for me that Mm -hmm. uh, like I'll catch parts of every Pacers game and, and certainly the, the latter portion of the game, but I, I don't miss a minute in the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter. And, and that's weird for me. And that's just because they are playing bat the kind of basketball that I love to watch.
1: It's it's my CTV. This is yep. this has been the most fun I can ever remember watching the Pacers. Probably uh, probably going all the way back to that series against the Cavaliers in the playoffs. You know it was appointment television, and if you couldn't watch it live because you're busy, because I know some of those games do start a little bit early for people that are working, you're DVRing it and you're going back and watching it because it's that important. So <laughs> you know it's it's been fun. We've been without sports for a long time, and I just want to. Give a big shout out to the NBA for figuring out a way to do this thing successfully. You know, no COVID uh, positive test twice or three times now since they've been doing it. It's it's been fantastic to see how the bubble is working. How these how these players can have come in here and continue to just be so solid. We started to see some injuries happen: Ben Simmons, Jonathan Isaac. And um, there's somebody else I'm missing that got hurt. Oh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah. So, right. you know, you've seen some some injuries happen. That's part of it. But most of these guys, they've, they've come in here. They've come in ready to play. And we didn't really have to see any of those get in shape games. But these eight regular season games have been really nice to get yourself ready as a fan, but also as players and a team to get yourself ready for the for the playoffs.
2: Yeah, and if you need a counterpoint to the way the NBA's done it successfully, look at Major League Baseball. What a catastrophe. Yeah, you my know, Cardinals. Manfred, you look look up poor leadership in the dictionary, and there's a big giant picture uh, of Rob Manfred and his okay. goofy uh, you know, gap-toothed grin. And you look up positive leadership, and there's Adam Silver.
1: But I, I'm telling you, if the Pacers continue to play the way they've been playing, Kent, as we wrap this up here – I really think they have a chance to get out of the first round this year.
2: I do too, and and here's one thing that we got to consider a little bit, and that's that T.J. Warren is too important to this team to be the guy who is, uh, in, you know, taunting and and could get into some kind of physical dust up with Jimmy Butler or anybody else. That's we good. Need, like back in the day. And and this still true in hockey, you got the thug who's gonna go get revenge. We need Goga. Goga out there. If TJ gets upset, it's Goga's business to put a stop to it and and exert some physical force on a guy so they know not to mess with Warren.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll see if Goga's little soft <laughs> self can do that. I don't I don't anticipate Goga being the enforcer.
2: Um Goga I, grew up in a war. Yeah. He was homeless. Um, um, you don't want to get in a fight with Goga. Goga's seen stuff on. that we, can, we can't even imagine. I know, but he's
1: not going to do that. He's too soft-spoken. <laughs> I mean, He might get annoyed with Dwight Howard, but, hey, if you're trying to guard a guy who refuses to wear a mask, I would be pretty upset, too. So, you know, when it, when it comes to the heat, I don't think Goga's the guy you want to get into with Jimmy Butler. Um, that's where That's where Vic and Malcolm are going to have to be able to step in And I I think you, I don't know if you're going to see a lot of TJ Warren on Jimmy Butler. You might see Malcolm start on him and you know, that uh, might be a good thing just because you don't want to get it too fixated in, in, in Jimmy or not Jimmy, but TJ's head that, Hey, you got to go out there and win this one-on-one matchup. like, no, it's not about one-on-one matchups. We want to see the Pacers beat the heat. I don't care if TJ Warren has 50 or 20 points. I just want them to win. I don't care how they do it. I hate this Heat team, and I just want a victory, no matter who is the guy.
2: Perfect. I, I couldn't agree more. Let's go.
1: Let's I'm go. I mean,
2: <laughs> all seven games, all forty-eight minutes.
1: Let's let's do it, and let's let's just take these Heat out of their misery. Let's just uh, let's just put them in uh, into the off season. Let them go home and celebrate uh, that they're out of the bubble, and then they can prepare for twenty twenty-one when they're going to miss out on other free agents like they do every year. So. Um, I'm all for it, Kent. Thanks so much for coming on. We went a little yeah. bit longer, as always, but it's uh, when you're talking about random stuff, you just kind of lose track of time. So, anyway,
2: <laughs> make no apologies. I, we were I, riveting. I, we, we we it, it were. was organic. It was special, and people who have have made it through to the end uh, feel like they have been rewarded with some, uh, you know, the kind of conversation that they they come for every single week <laughs> a, as we do this
1: absolutely well i do want to give a shout out to my man uh to my my friends clay and landry they come up to me every time they see me and they say man i've been loving the podcast so if you guys are listening to this all the way through i'm gonna i'm gonna check it because i guarantee if they hear this (laughs) they're gonna say hey thanks for the shout out so clay landry appreciate it glad to see you guys on board as pacer fans kent any shout outs for you as we head off
2: no 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 i uh i i communicate privately with with all my people
1: I communicate (laughs) privately too. I do both. Why not? I mean, this isn't this isn't too inappropriate. No, Um, no,
2: no. It's good for you. It's just that, uh, yeah, I don't. I'm just I'm just
1: waiting until I get a shout out on Breakfast with Kent. What do I got to do to do that?
2: You've got to be on Facebook, and you have to. uh, I am on Facebook. We're Facebook friends. Are we?
1: Yeah, my birthday's coming up. August twenty. August twenty seventh. It's coming up.
2: Oh, well, there you go. You'll get a shout-out on August 27th. Circle that on your calendar.
1: But I'm just I'm just waiting for the uh, the Setting the Pace podcast <laughs> to get a shout-out where you plug yourself. Come on. It's, I mean, it's not oh, like the, you don't do this every uh, sure, week.
2: You, you got the breakfast with Kent and then inside Indiana Sports today every afternoon, and and uh, the Pacers are so generous with access and the Colts are so generous with access. Almost every day we're talking to a, a Colt, if not Colt, and uh and so often with nate mcmillan and and players just having a great time
1: yeah well see kent can come on here on my podcast and plug his stuff but he won't plug my stuff on his stuff so i gotta i gotta figure out a way for kent to plug setting the pace on breakfast with kent we'll see we'll keep an eye on it i'm waiting for that i'm waiting for my plug i know i haven't paid you anything but i'm waiting for that shout out kent um but in all seriousness no Guys, check out Kent on kentsterling.com and at Kent Sterling on Twitter. I'm at Alex Golden NBA. You can follow Setting the Pace at Setting the Pace 3. And we're over on Instagram at Pacers Talk. So until next week, everybody, have a great time and we'll talk to y'all later.